How many of you are easily distracted? Yeah, you're easily distracted. I mean, you're driving along, you're having a conversation, something happens, it's like squirrel. I mean, you know, you're just, it doesn't matter. Anything can happen. You're one of those people that you're just kind of all over the place. I know I can be that way sometimes. And and we're going to talk today about, I've titled this message, Holiday Distractions, but it's really about distractions in general. And distractions are a very important part of life because if we become distracted easily, it can get us off in directions that we never thought we would get off on. There, there was a pastor recently that, uh, well, I say recently, back in the old days. How many of you remember the, when satellite TV first came out, the, the dishes that came out with those? Have you ever seen those? I mean, I mean, they were literally the size of Volkswagens. You could get 30 channels, which was a big deal because we only had three. So, I mean, you know, 30 was an upgrade. Now you've got a dish this big. You can pick up hundreds of, sa- of satellite channels. But I, I know one of my cousins, uh, we had a deer lease down in Texas. And we came out one day, and he had a, a deer stand, like a two-person deer stand, a wooden black box stand. And he had taken one of those gigantic satellite dishes and mounted it on his deer stand. Wasn't hooked up to anything. He just thought it'd be cool, you know. Uh, but, but here's what's interesting about these, these uh, satellite dishes, especially back in the old days. If you didn't have them lined up just right, they would miss everything. How many of you grew up with TVs that you had to put tinfoil on the rabbit ears and all that other stuff? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And some of you, how many of you actually became the antenna? Let me see your hands. Yeah. You, you know, one of your parents would say, hey, go grab that and move it. And then as soon as you grabbed it, they could see. And so you stood there for 30 minutes while they watched Sanford and Son. You know what I'm talking about? You know, but that, that's kind of having what you need to conduct things, but it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get distracted. There was a pastor that had set up a satellite dish at his house, and he spent hours trying to get it adjusted, never could get it right. We had a friend that installed the thing, so he called him and said, I can't do this, come over and help me. So he came over, and, and it took him like 15 minutes, and he aligned it, and it looked like he literally moved it just an inch or two. And all of a sudden, all the channels came in. And the guy said, how did you do that? He said, you know, sometimes if you're off just a little bit, right here it doesn't seem like a big deal. But off in space, that's thousands of miles. And that's how we can get when we get distracted sometimes. It doesn't seem like a big deal at the time, but the end result over distraction over long periods of time can put us in a place where we never thought we would end up, guys. We never thought we'd be there. And we get really distracted, and pretty soon we turn around and we're in a place we never thought we'd be. You know, you've heard me say this before, that sin's going to cost you more than you want to pay. And it's going to keep you longer than you ever expected you'd be kept there. Because it costs something. And so we're going to talk today about these distractions and how we combat them. And and there's some really simple steps to do that. But I'm going to use a couple of different verses of Scripture. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7, talking about the wise men. I talked about this a little bit the other day. Herod called the Magi, the wise men, secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star appeared at Bethlehem. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, the wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Herod was a distraction to the mission of the wise men. He was a distraction. He wanted them to come back and tell him where Jesus was. Why? So he could kill Jesus. 
He didn't want competition. So Herod became a distraction. They didn't pay attention to that distraction. The Bible tells us they went home by a different route to avoid being around Herod. There's another story in the Old Testament that I think really exemplifies distractions even a little bit more. If you've got your Bibles or you've got your notes, we're going to go back to 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to read about a, wom- a widow woman and her son and what God did for them. Now let me set this up for you. Elijah is a great prophet. As a matter of fact, Elijah shows up in the New Testament ministering to Jesus. Elijah was an amazing guy. And this story that I'm going to read you today is his actual first appearance in the Scripture. Elijah came along as a prophet in a time that was horrible for the kingdom of Israel and Judah. It was a really, really, really bad time for them. As a matter of fact, the king that was in control of the country at this time was named Ahab. Ahab, the scripture tells us, was at the time that he came along was more wicked than any other king that had come before him. He was a horrible person. Terrible, terrible leader. Terrible person, worshipped idols and, and sacrifices and all these crazy things, really led the country down a wrong path. And so God sends Elijah to come on the scene to try to pull the country back in, okay? So that's where we're going to start today. First Kings 17, I'm going to start with one. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab the king, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Here's what happened. He goes to Ahab and says, look, you're misleading the country. You're leading people away from God and after idols. And so here's the deal. God has sent me, and it's not going to rain again until I give the word. Now, in a country whose sole livelihood basically is based on food, What happens if you don't get any rain? You don't eat. So this is a huge deal. This impacts everyone, regardless of what level you're at. This is a huge deal. So here's the deal. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I'm going to skip down to verse 7. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now this is after a period of time where there's no rain. Here's what God says to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there, and I have directed a widow to supply you with food. So Elijah went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? Now, why is that a problem? Why is that a problem? He's asking her for water. Why is that a problem? There isn't any. That's right. So he goes and he says, hey, bring me some water. As she was going to get it, he called and he said, and also, while you're bringing me some water that you don't have, bring me a piece of bread also. And this is the woman's comment. And this is what I want you to really hear right now. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Now listen to this next statement. I am gathering a few sticks. Remember, that's what she was doing is gathering sticks to take home and eat and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She's actually out gathering firewood to build a little fire to take this little bit of food that she has left, 
They're going to fix this food. It's going to be their last meal together, and then they're both going to die. They're starving to death. And so Elijah comes along and says, hey, go get me something to drink and make me some food. So you see the impact of this statement? Then this is what Elijah said to her. Don't be afraid. How many times have we heard that in Scripture, guys? Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Now, he's just told her, go home, fix me this little bit of food you have left. And here's the promise. If you'll do this, God has promised that you're not going to run out of food until it begins to rain again. She's got a decision to make. Am I going to believe this nut? Am I going to believe this or am I going to trust God? Watch what happens. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there, listen to this. So here's the end result. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. See, it wasn't even just, it was for the family as well. And, And here's something I want you to understand, guys. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And here's a comment I want you guys to hear today. Sometimes God asks us to do things that make no sense to our natural mind. Sometimes God's gonna ask you to do something that does not make sense to you. And it's going to happen. And I know there are some folks in here that have been believers for a long time. Some of you have walked closely with God for a long time. And he has asked you to do some things, Josh, that don't make sense. Wait a minute, God. I don't see this. And, and I know there are some of us in here that, that we want to walk close to God. We want to be close to God. But sometimes he gives us commandments that are hard. Love your enemies. Forgive those that have hurt you. Give. I mean, for some of us, we stand in here and give, and some of you are going, I'm giving, and I don't, have, I don't know how this is going to work out. Am I going to trust God or not? And here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line that you have to decide in your heart, guys, every person in this room, am I going to believe God or not? Am I going to trust God's word or not? Now, here's the thing that I want you to hear. This This isn't in my notes. It's very important. There are going to be people in your life that are going to come up to you, and sometime in your life, somebody's going to say, I was praying for you, and I have a word of God for you, and they're going to give you this word, and it's not going to be from God, okay? And, And here's the way you test that. You pray about what someone has told you. The Scripture tells us, test the spirits, pray, Pray and see what God says. And God will never do anything in your life that contradicts his word. Let me give you a funny example. Someone is not going to come up to you and say, I was praying for you the other night, and I feel like you should murder your husband tonight when you get home. It was the word of the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) But don't tell anybody I told you to do that. (laughs) You know, God's not going to do that. He's never going to tell you to do something that's going to go against his word. Okay? 
But there are going to be times in your life, there are going to be people that try to mislead you. Those are distractions. But there are also going to be times in your life that God is going to ask you to do something and you don't understand it. I had a meeting with someone recently, an uh, uh, older, older gentleman in our community, very old gentleman in our community. He was talking to me about a sermon that I did two years ago. I asked him, I said, so what can I be praying about? What can we be praying for you in your life? And he said, I want to, he said, you've already helped me. I said, what do you mean? He said, two years ago, you preached a sermon about forgiving people. And in that sermon, we wrote down people's names and we dropped it in a bucket and we burned it. You guys remember when we did that? He said, God set me free that day. And I said, he set you free, and, th- and get this, I want you to hear this. He said, my grandfather, this is an elderly man. He said, my grandfather had mistreated me and our family growing up. And he said, I'd never been able to forgive him. He had gone all those years in his life harboring, having a hard time forgiving somebody in his life. Because sometimes God asks us to do things that seem hard and don't make sense to us. But what happened when he forgave is it set him free. And so here we see this woman being given a commandment, a request by God to do something that absolutely makes no sense to her. And she's having a hard time processing this. And part of the reason that she's having a hard time processing this is because of the distractions around her. There are things competing for her attention and for her focus. And I want to talk about that today. I'm going to skip down, Becky, to point number one. If you've got your notes today or if you're watching up here, here's the first distraction. It's the distraction of appetites. It's the distraction of appetites. 1 Kings 17 verse 12 says this, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little little olive oil in a jug. You know, sometimes in life it's easy to follow God when it's easy, but when things get hard, that's when you really find out what you're made of in your relationship with God. And our appetites dictate a lot of that thing. Our appetites are what we do day in and day out. In other words, it's the thing that you want. Well, I want this, I want that, I want the other thing. And these things can become distractions for you. And you've heard me preach before about God's not uh, concerned about you having things. God wants you to have things. But here's the deal. When your things begin to distract you from what God's calling you to do, you got a problem. When you decide you want to follow your appetites as opposed to what God's commanding you to do, who's really in control at that point? Your things or your relationship with God. You know, here in a couple weeks, as a matter of fact, starting next Sunday, I'm gonna start meeting with you guys about our building project. And this year, it's gonna be a great year in the life of our church. And we're gonna begin to pursue building a building out here. And I'm gonna come to you, and I'm gonna talk to you about giving. But here's the interesting thing about that. I'm not gonna ask you to give from your tithe. I'm gonna ask you to give from an offering which is beyond your tithe. And that's a hard thing for some of us. I mean, we're having to look at our budget and going, what are we going to adjust? What are we going to do? And some of what we're going to adjust and what we're going to do has to do with the things that we have. We may have to sell some of our things. How much can you get for a 16-year-old? I'm just wondering right now. What is that? No, would never do that. But you know what? Some of the things that we have, what's really important? And so when we begin to look here, we realize that sometimes we are driven in our life by our appetites. And some of the things that we want can keep us 
from following God. Look at number two on your notes. There's also the distraction of affections. There's the distraction of affections. And before I read the scripture, I want to make a comment. When things get hard in your life, you find out what's really important to you. When things get hard in your life, you find out what's really important to you. And let me just say this right now. The most important things in your life, other than your relationship with God, look around. Look around. Everybody look around. It's people. Primarily your family and your close friends. The only thing that's going to last when you leave this planet, guys, are two things. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people. Those are eternal And sometimes, though, we can have inappropriate relationships in our life. Our affections can be misplaced. And we begin to rely on people to fulfill the emotional desires of our lives. And that is a problem. We jump in and out of relationships. We rely on other people to make us feel good about ourselves. And they become a distraction. Our self-worth sometimes can be about who we're around, who we hang out with, what we do. And it can become a distraction. And for those of you that are in here and have any been a Christian any period of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are relationships that you may have in your life that distract you from what God wants you to do. You probably have some relationships that keep you from being closer to God because they pull you away. 1 Kings 17, 12 says this. This was her comment. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. When she was in crisis, her relationship, her love and her affection for her son drove her. But she made the right decision. Many times we don't. Many times we don't. Here's the third distraction. It's the distraction of agendas. (laughs) It's the distraction of agendas, which if you want to write in your blanks next to it, is your plan. How many of you like to plan? You like to know what's going on. Whenever I walk into a store with Trisha, I say, what are we looking for? The worst words that can come out of her mouth when we walk into a mall is, we're just looking. (laughs) I go crazy when that happens. What do you mean we're just looking? Looking at what? You know, I mean, I need to know. I need a mission. I love it when I have a list. Some of y'all ran into the other day. Trish was baking. So I said, hey, I'll go to Walmart for you. With a two-page list. Two or three of the people in the church ran into me when I was there. I got on aisle three and I stood there, and I'm not exaggerating, for 15 minutes. Where is the everything? (laughs) You know? (laughs) You know? And and that's what happens a lot of times. We want to plan. We need an agenda. We have an agenda. But here's the problem with having an agenda. There's nothing wrong with planning. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us to plan. But here's the deal. Man makes his plans, but God directs his path. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Trevor, hear this. You need to submit your plan to God's plan. Anything you do in life has to be submitted to God, and you need to understand that you may plan, but you lay that at the feet of the cross. And you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus talked about that too. 
that we plan such and such and we plan on going here and there and the other thing and we don't know what tomorrow holds but God does and our job is submit our, our is to submit our lives to God's plan. I want to tell you why it's something Trish and I've been talking about a lot lately is fulfillment in life. Satisfaction in life. And let me tell you something guys and I know this for an absolute fact. The only way you're going to try and find true satisfaction in life is when you submit your life and your plans to God's will and his plan for your life. Because there is nothing more fulfilling than doing what God wants you to do. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. But when you're off doing your own thing and when the call of God comes and you go, God, I'm too busy, I have a plan. There's a problem. That's what happened to this lady here. Let's look at her scripture. She says, I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. That was her agenda. That was her plan. Did she factor God into her plan? Did she? No. She didn't factor God into this deal. She had a plan, and her plan was, I'm gathering sticks, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to die. But who had another plan? God had another plan for her, and she had to choose which plan she was going to follow. Am I going to follow my way, or am I going to follow God's plan? The Bible tells us, listen to this, the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. There's a way that seems right to you, but the end is destruction. And guess who's outside of time and can look and see where your your map is going? God, he knows what's going on. So maybe you need to submit your plan to God's plan and then just sit back and enjoy the ride because it's gonna be a good one. Listen to the next statement. We need to focus on the star. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on the plan that God has. The wise men were focused on getting to the star and I would encourage you today, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the plan that God has for you? Are you focused on your appetites, your desires, your agenda? Is it all about what you want? Think about it. Let's look down. I'm going to tell you today how to get your agenda right, how to get your plans right, how to not be distracted. This is very practical right now, guys. This is very, very practical. So I want you to listen to this. Some of you guys, as you're getting ready to plan into the new year and go into the new year, you need this. And you need to look at what you're thinking about doing and and compare these notes to it, okay? So look at number one. There should be a little diamond on your piece of paper. Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to starve your appetites. You need to starve your appetites. Look at Colossians 3 verse 5 says this. This is Paul talking to the church at Colossae. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And here's what I want you to understand here. Look at the first part of that verse, and it says, verse 5 says this, so put to death. There's a term in English called the implied you. It's called the implied you. And what Paul is saying here is this, so you put to death. You see that? Who's Paul talking to here? Us. He's talking about you. He could be sitting here to me and he could say, Chris, here's what you need to do. You need to put to death all these things. It's your responsibility. You have a part to play in this. 
Listen to me. Jesus has gone to the cross. The Holy Spirit has come, and you have a part to play in what happens in your life. Scripture tells us this, and we learn about these own things too, and I've heard people say this. You are the prophet of your own life. God has given you the ability to walk with him, and I'm going to tell you how to do that here in a minute. But he is telling us very plainly here, it's your responsibility. You have a responsibility to play here. You put to death these things. John 14, 25 through 27 says this. This is the answer to how to do that. This is Jesus talking. I have told you this while I'm still with you. However, the helper is who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything that I've ever told you. Then Jesus says this in verse 27. I'm leaving you peace. I'm giving you my peace. I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives you, so don't be troubled or cowardly. And I want to read out of Romans 8. Here's the key. If you look at your life right now, you may fall into one of these categories where you realize that your plan is trumping God's plan for your life. But here's the key to that. Because when I say to you, when I read what Paul says here, when I read this this week and I saw that, Paul's asking a big thing. Paul's saying, look, you need to put to death all these things in your life. It's your responsibility. And here's my first thought. My first thought was, I can't do all that. How do I do that? How do I put to death all these things? Maybe some of you are fighting an addiction and you're going, I don't know how to fight this addiction. I've been fighting it for years. I don't know how to win. Here's the key. Here's the key. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, this is Romans chapter 8, are no longer under God's judgment. Because of what Christ Jesus has done, you are free. Now listen to this next statement. You are now controlled by the law of the Holy Spirit who gives you life. The law of the Spirit frees you from the law of the sin, law of sin and death. The written law was made weak by the power of sin. I'm going to skip down to verse 12, and I encourage you to read Romans chapter 8. Here's what verse 12 says. And you can almost hear Paul pleading with the church at Rome here. Brothers and sisters, we have a duty. Our duty is not to live under the power of sin. If you live under the power of sin, look at this, you will die. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to unbelievers? Is Paul talking to unbelievers? He's talking to Christians. In other words, he's saying, look, your appetites, your agendas, your plans, you can follow those, but here's the deal. If those lead you into sin, which is missing the mark, you will what? Die. It's a sobering statement. But then he says this, but by the Spirit's power, you can put to death the sins that you commit. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. When you're running into challenges, where you're running into things that are too heavy, when you don't know what else to do, you need to sit back and allow the Holy Spirit to be with you and be in you. And you need to surrender to him. Jesus gave us that gift. And I want you to understand something today, folks. You need that power in your life. Because none of us are strong enough in ourselves to be able to walk and fight against all the things that we've got to fight with every day. 
your appetites, your agenda, all the plans that you have, your affections. You've got to get to the place where you trust God and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. So if you're here today and you're beating your head against a wall, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. We need to pray. Some of you may not have received the baptism. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need God's help. You can't do this by yourself, but the good news is you don't have to. But you have to do it God's way. Here's the other thing that you have to do. It's your second diamond there. You need to set your affections. Set your affections. Focus your affections. Aim your affections. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. How many hunters do I have in here? Okay. How many of you have ever sighted your rifle in? Okay. How many of you haven't? I'm just curious because that'd be really strange. Jimmy, you've never done that. That's great. Let's see what happens. You know, that's never a good feeling. (laughs) But here's the deal. I mean, I take shooting very seriously. And when I go out and when I shoot at something, I am never just going out to shoot. I am aiming at something. I've got a target that I'm shooting at. There's something that I'm trying to hit. And so I'm aiming, I am setting my sights on that target. And that's exactly what Paul is telling us here. What are you setting your sights on? If that's my mom, tell her I'm busy. Uh, but, but the question is, what are, you, what are we setting our sights on in your life? Here's the thing, guys. In your life, what are you focusing on? What is your target? What is your target? You know, the older I get, the more I've noticed something. Whenever I look when I'm driving, that's where I go. Right? Hey, look a deer. <laughs> you know? Or, or you know, it, it's not like, okay, and I think I'm still driving straight. <laughs> I think I'm driving straight, but no, I'm looking over there. And, and it's like, no, or I'm looking over, or whatever. But wherever I turn my head, wherever I'm setting my sights is where I go. So I would say this to you today. Maybe here's the big takeaway. If your life's not where you want it to be, what are you focused on? In other words, what are you aiming at? Where are you focused? Where's your car pointed? Because I want to tell you something. We don't accidentally end up anywhere in life. You don't accidentally end up somewhere. How did I end up here? You know, Dr. Riddle didn't wake up one day. Dr. Chambers didn't wake up day and somebody said, hey, good morning. Here's a doctorate degree. Woo. How did that happen? No, they were focused on a target and they followed that target. If you want to be successful in the life that God has for you, you need to focus and set your sights on something and stay focused on it. Because if you become easily distracted, you're going to end up all over the place. And some of you are that way. Some of you, if you're honest in your life right now, you're all over the map. And then you wonder why you never accomplish anything. You wonder why God's not blessing your life. And he wants to bless you, but you're all over the place. You don't even know where you're going to be at the end of the day. And he doesn't want you to be that way. Set your sights. 
where they need to be set. And this is a great time of the year to do it. We're starting off a brand new year. Next week I'm going to talk to you about how to set some plans you can really accomplish this year. And it's not that difficult to do, but it does take focus. And it does take commitment and not being pulled away by distractions. And here's the final point. This is a big one. You need to submit your agenda. In other words, surrender your plan to God. That's hard to do. It's really, really hard to do. My life scripture is this. Job 22, verse 21. It's the only one I'm going to read to you today. Submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. Submit to God and then things will go well for you. It doesn't say things are going to go well for you. Now you can submit to God. And some of you need to make a decision. I want to say this, and this is a very strong statement, but it's true. Some of you are fighting God and wondering why your life's not going well. You're fighting God. You've chosen to do things your way, and you're fighting God, and you're actually mad at God because things aren't going your way. You're fighting him. And I want to tell you the best thing you can do this year is surrender your plans to God and begin to do things his way. Otherwise, you're going to be frustrated. And guess what? You can be frustrated your whole life. But at some point, you have to choose to surrender to God. And listen to me. That's not just a one-time thing. Sometimes that's every day. Sometimes it's every five minutes. And when these distractions pop up, when these opportunities pop up in your life, where are you going to focus on? And I want to tell you guys, that's the way the devil works. The devil is the king of throwing distractions your way. He knows how to get you off track. He knows how to do that. But you need to submit your plan to God and say, God, I'm going to do what you say no matter what. And here's the thing. This is a great story about the woman who was dying and all of a sudden God did a miracle and provided food, but she had to choose to do it God's way or not. And I want to tell you, you've got to make that decision. No one can make that decision for you. No one can choose for your life to go well but you. And some of you might say, you don't know what's happened in my life, Pastor. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know what I'm dealing with right now. You're right, I may not. But does that X out God's word? Does that mean God can't save you? That you're so unique, you're so special that God's plan can't work for you? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world except for, because they're a tough one. Really? Stop fighting God. Submit to him. Lay your life down and watch what happens. When we begin to do things God's way, it changes everything. Decide to do that. Let's pray. Everybody bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your love for us and your mercy. And Lord, I just thank you for the clarity of your word. Lord, I know there are distractions we all have. I have distractions in my life, and I have to choose to fight those. But the way to choose to fight those is to surrender my will to yours. In other words, submit my life to your way of doing things. And if we want to see true change in our life, Lord, if we want our families to turn out good, if we want our jobs and our future to be good, there's only one path, and that's following you. Lord, I know this 
this is true for me. It's true for me that I have to learn to submit to you, Father, to trust you even when I don't understand, especially when I don't understand. But Jesus, you said, come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're heavy burdened. Come to me. Lay your burdens at my feet. I will carry you. Lord, you told us that you have a good plan for our life to give us a future and a hope. So, Father, help us to stop fighting you. If you're here today, nobody's looking around. This is important. This is so important. And you've been fighting God. You've been doing your own thing, and things have not been going like you wanted them to. Your your life is not heading in the direction you wanted to go, and, and, and you feel lost. You feel helpless. Maybe worse, you feel hopeless. This is an opportunity to make that commitment, to surrender your life to him. Submit your plans to God. Give him your agenda. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you're you're not a believer, but he's pulled at your heart today. You're not here by accident, but today you want to give your life to him. You want to accept the gift of Jesus and that forgiveness If that's you today, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to become a believer. I want to to receive that gift of salvation. Man, I'll wait just another moment. So I'm going to make an assumption right now. I'm talking to a room full of God's kids. I'm talking to a room of people that love Jesus, that have accepted him as Savior. The question for you today is, is he Lord? Is he in charge? Or are you in charge? If today you're here and you've been fighting God, this is really resonating in your heart, you realize that you've been fighting God and you've been doing your own thing and it's not going well. Maybe your life's a mess. Maybe you just know you're off track. Wherever you are in between all that, you know, you know. But if you wanna make a stand right now, if you wanna make a decision, God, I'm gonna submit to you as an act of my will. I'm gonna submit to you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna draw close to you and believe that you're gonna change my life. I need you, Jesus. If that's you today and you wanna make that step, you wanna make that commitment, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I gotta change. I I need to make some changes. I need God's help. Amen. Pastor, I need Jesus to help me. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Amen. Amen. Just stay in his presence for a moment. Lord, as we're coming up on this year, Father, I know 2016 is supposed to be the year of jubilee, Lord, the year of forgiveness, of, of debt, Father, of increase. And Lord, it's an exciting year for us as a church, but the church is made up of your people individually. Father, I just ask you to bless your people, Lord. And Father, for those that are here today, that are facing challenges, they're facing difficulties, they they haven't submitted themselves to your will, that, Lord, you would really speak to them this week, that you'd really bring some change in their life and their heart, change that will last a lifetime.
We ask you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to stay up here for a few minutes. Some of you need to pray. Come by. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray over our meal. Y'all don't wait on me. Y'all start eating. You're going to do it anyway. It just makes me feel like I'm in charge when I say that. Love you guys very much. Draw close to him. Draw close to the Lord. That's the only place that you're going to find fulfillment. You understand? It's the only place. Let's all stand, and I want to do something as we stand. This bad weather's coming in, as you guys know, floods. I had people contacting me this morning, couldn't get out of their property because the flood's going on and rain. We need to pray for our area, don't we? So let's grab your neighbor's hand. You know, we've already seen God spare our church this week from the tornado coming in, but we need to pray for all of our neighbors and our community with these rains. Father, we just thank you right now that you're God and we know that you're in charge. And so, Lord, we ask you today, Father, to protect those in our community with this rain, these floods coming in. Lord, that there would be no loss of life. Father, we pray that no loss of property, that you would protect people, give them wisdom. Lord, protect those, the first responders that go to help folks and the electric guys that are gonna be out, protect them. Lord, we just ask for safety for all the people in our region. Lord, and finally, we ask you to bless our lives. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, give us the lives that we never imagined we could have. Keep your hand on us, Lord. Bless us as we leave this place. And Father, I just pray also for the food today. Lord, bless this fried chicken. Somehow do a miracle, Lord. Make it good for us. (laughs) But Lord, let us have a great time together of fellowship. And we thank you for what this season means and represents. Lord, we just love you and we love each other. We give you all the praise and glory and honor. Be glorified in us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, God bless you as you go. Y'all head on back and get you some to eat. Seems like all I could see was the struggle. and live in my past Bound up in shackles of all my failures Wondering how long is this gonna last Then you look at this prisoner And you say to me, son Stop fighting a fight It's already been won Cause I am redeemed You set me free So heavy chains wipe away every stain I am not who I used to be I am redeemed all my my life I 
Oh no, I'm not who 